Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to our Good News segment. You know, as I've been saying all along, we're providing you with information And I have to say, it is a new and a fresh kind of media. It is that information that you all are longing to find, know about, talk about, and implement in your lives. Today, Dr. William Kassler joining me here today, Deputy Health Officer and Lead Population Health Officer, IBM Watson Health. Now, here's what we're talking about. This is the question. What role is technology playing to help individuals, businesses, and communities. Now, many of you know that as an independent media person, we know the impact we're having. But what about the rest? What are we learning? And what is Dr. Kessler going to share with us about the breakthroughs that can help us with isolation and beyond? Dr. Kessler, great to have you. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So I don't think that I would have ever thought in my lifetime that there would be a time that we have depended so greatly on technology. And, you know, what I mean by that is most of the time when we say the word technology, we target or pinpoint an age group of people. But that is not what's going on today. You know, technology is the face that is holding connections to people together, regardless of age. And that is something I don't think anybody could have predicted. But what are you seeing? How are you out in the forefront? And what is the impact you're assessing and solving? So we don't look at tech for tech's sake. Um, Technology is a tool. And technology is a suite of innovations, a, a lot of different tools that can be brought to bear on our current situation. So one of the things that we've been doing is looking at this pre-pandemic public health issue around mental health and loneliness. And we've been thinking through at IBM, how can we apply our tools of big data, advanced analytics, technology, and AI to help with those key public health questions? Then along comes the pandemic, which just makes everything much more acute, much worse. So we've been thinking through how does technology play a role in our collective response to the pandemic? And, you know, there is a recent report. I wish you would talk about it for a little bit. That came out of IBM Institute for Business Value, right? Little research that came out about loneliness. Um, And I I want to really have you talk to that. I think there is something that we're not addressing No matter how many press conferences you watch, it doesn't matter which governor you're watching, they're not even coming close to the emotional and psychological trauma that very few people are really addressing. But you all are looking at this, aren't you? 
We are. So let's just talk about loneliness, yeah. which is think about loneliness as a result of the social isolation that is occurring. Um, we look at the elderly, for example, our seniors, who before the pandemic were at high risk of being socially isolated because of physical mobility, because of their loss, um, their role in society. And then along comes social distancing, which is so helpful for that population, but ironically puts them at even greater risk. And loneliness is not just about mental health. It turns out that loneliness is harmful to our physical health as well. Yeah. About the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day yeah. um, uh, in terms of comparable to poor physical activity and, and obesity. So we absolutely have to um, address this. And while technology is not um, a substitute for high-quality face-to-face personal interactions, we think technology in a number of different forms can really help. You know, I want to talk to this issue, and you probably didn't know much about me or some of the some of the charity work and, and services I do, but I got a bit of information three days ago, and I'm stunned by it. Here it is. I live in a state where they have the most incredible facilities for seniors. And believe me, they start seniors at a pretty young age. I think it's like 52. And our senior centers are by far the most outstanding people, especially one of them in Everett. People just live and breathe by this place. You know, the top table tennis players go there. They have a gym. They hold dances. They're community events. Carl Gibson just passed away recently. And I found out three days ago, they are shutting their doors and may not open at least for a year. And this is, I mean, come on, right? And I'm trying to get a hold of them because I want to raise money. I want to know really, how much does it cost you to open every month? Is it 50 grand, 100? Because I'll go out and raise funds for that. And I think that this is the kind of thing that your research points to. You know, when we are cutting off the lifeline, which is the physical part of this, we must have something step in. Uh, And it's gotta be something we can do with technology because if those doors, and they're not the only place, right, doctor? But if those doors don't open when everything else is opening, what then for people? So you point to a lot of the economic challenges, but even before, and um, uh, and let's say you raise the funds and are able to economically keep them open yeah. during this period of time, they shouldn't be open, but they can begin to facilitate a lot of virtual uh, connections that can help. So for example, technology can play a role in yep. keeping our uh, seniors safe and at home in giving them the services they need um, to uh, uh, help with food and with social interaction and with remote visits to mental health providers and clinical providers as well. Yeah, so that's why I'm saying what you're doing is more important than people really know. It is not only important now, but this is not going to go back to normal. There's a new normal. And technology and what you're talking about, what you all have discovered, that has got to be the bridge. Because if we're not doing something with technology and especially helping the elderly, you know, 
this is going to turn into a different statistics, which, which, which we already know is on the rise, and that's suicide. So tell us how people can find out more about what you're doing. And also, I would love for you to talk for a few minutes about how this is going to work for people. Sure. So in terms of where people can find help, you can go to our website, ibm.biz, B-I-Z, forward slash COVID health. In terms of how this actually works, you know, there are a number of technologies that I'd like to highlight. First of all, mobile apps. Um, in this time of stress and anxiety, it is critical that we practice self-care, that we take care of ourselves to build that resilience. And so mobile apps, apps can help um, through physical activity, through yoga, through mindfulness, relaxation, cooking. Um, there are a, there's a lot of content out there um, that we can get on our devices. There are online platforms for counseling and for social um, interactions that can be helpful. We talked earlier about remote visits. There are hotlines. Um, in general, a lot of these activities can actually sometimes um, be even more helpful and add to the face-to-face -face when available because of the stigma sometimes of being elderly or alone or uh, having mental health problems. And um, the technology can overcome the stigma because sometimes we feel it easier to interact remotely than face-to-face. -face. You know, I want to thank you for first of all, taking the message out there, because I don't think that we're talking enough about, you know, how to really reach people. Certainly for us, you know, this is going to be broadcast on both the digital platform, but also, you know, what people are referring to old school AMFM radio. I don't think it's old school. All of the statistics say there's nothing, nothing else going on with radio. Radio is still alive and well. Um, I want to ask you this almost last question, let's call it. And that is, as you look at this, and you folks are so close to the data, so close to what people need, what can you talk to us about, about the vision you have for this, about the role that IBM will play in not just where we are now and what you're already doing, but what is on the horizon for folks to be able to look for? So we look at advanced technology, supercomputer, AI, big data, mm -hmm. um, as a way to empower individuals, empower businesses, and empower decision makers by giving us insights into hidden patterns, by overcoming some of our own biases through uh, looking at the data, through visualizing it, through personalizing that. So we look at technology as really empowering people to make better decisions. We, we look at technology as a way through data and analytics to empower people to make better decisions to yeah. improve their lives. I love it. Look, I want to thank you for today. Uh, one last question. Anything else you want to share with us? Um, I, I'm sure that uh, there are many things you're doing, but I want to make sure that I covered for you the really highlights of what you all are doing. So thank you. Um, I would like to point out that IBM uh, is working with its supercomputers on vaccine and medication and genomics for this. Yeah. Um, we're working with veterans in particular to help support the post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and, and if I could have one 
parting thought, which is not IBM, but it's to your audience, mm-hmm. I would say just because we are physically distancing doesn't mean we have to be socially distant. Reach out um, and, uh, and make that connection. Oh, absolutely. And boy, I couldn't have said it better. Please give the website again, if you don't mind. It's ibm.biz, B-I-Z, forward slash COVID health. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. All right, everybody. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coming to you live on TransformationTalkRadio.com is the brilliance ultimatum. Time's up with Claudette Rowley. Powerful conversations, practical innovations, and transformative solutions as Claudette and her guests delve into the possibilities and what she calls reality resistance. Join the cultural revolution and annihilate obstacles. Check it out at culturalbrilliance.com. Imagine a world where good news... Positive information and stories were the mainstream. Tell us your positive story. Hashtag positivity rules. You are listening to the Transformation Radio Network. Are you ready for a holistic healing revolution? Subscribe to Burn Bright Today podcast with Jennifer Marcinelli on Transformation Talk Radio. Healing is about self-care and seeking help when you need it. The best investment you can make is in yourself and your body, mind, and spirit. One step at a time, you can burn bright and live a life you dream. For more information on how to heal from home, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. And you know what? We are all learning about what we don't even know. Even this call in the world that we work in, We have tightened up security, and we have done so many things to make sure messages still go out. But here we are today giving you the best of the best as Toby Capella, Vice President, IBM's Data and AI Business Organization, is joining us here today because we're going to talk about what COVID-19 has done to affect our communities. But I got to tell you, After this interview, you're going to see how people have stepped up to make sure we all stay connected. Toby, it's great to have you here. Great to be here, Dr. Pat. Thank you. Um, Look, I, I have found with us as a broadcast network and with others, even when things like you can't do third party live streaming anymore, even when things like that happen, we get very innovative. Can we talk about the innovation that you're here to share with us? Sure, uh, I'd love to. Uh, So specifically what we're doing with an IBM and the area that I'm working in is uh, working with our, with organizations and these specific organizations are government agencies, healthcare organizations and educational institutions to allow them to use Watson Assistant for Citizens. And Watson Assistant for Citizens is a virtual agent that is in response to the increased in demand for information that you and I have every day about this current crisis. And it allows these organizations to respond to these companies and to these citizens uh, via 
uh, online, which some people call a chatbot, or voice to both generally general questions about COVID-19 and symptoms and prevention, where we get information from trusted sources like the CDC, or specific information about their municipality, their educational county, uh, or their health care organization, uh, and be able to do that efficiently, but also very accurately. So we want to help these organizations do that quickly. Uh, so we're doing that and standing this up in a matter of hours and days, but we're also providing access to this for these organizations for 90 days for free, because we know it's trying time for everyone. Yeah. Uh, let me just ask you, what are you finding uh, in terms of your organization? Are, are, you, are you seeing what we're seeing, the level of innovation and dedication and commitment to finding solutions that neither one of us, not you nor I, could have even predicted we would have to be trying to solve? You know, I, I, I am uh, working at IBM, but just in general in the technology space, amazed at what I see every day. But when you think about a time that we sit in today, uh, I am impressed with what I see from our ability to innovate, our ability to accept current conditions. Uh, every one of us is working in a different condition today than we worked in before, and everybody's rolling with it. They're figuring out how to make it work. Uh, and so uh, where we really shine as IBM company is with the research, the technology, and computing power that we have to be able to innovate and drive that into organizations. More and more organizations are run by, uh, or at least enabled by technology, and we got to make that easier and easier for humans to consume and humans to get the information that they need. Um, what do you think is the greatest challenge we have to meeting the demands of our citizens? I, I, I see two things that we're experiencing right now with our clients. Yeah. One is um, the speed at which these organizations need to uh, respond. Um, and meaning both uh, enable it with new technologies or new capabilities or new processes, but also when you talk about something we're doing, the, the responses change. Let's just take the example about do I wear a mask or don't I wear a mask? That's changed. Uh, do I wear gloves or do I not wear gloves? Th all those things are changing. So how do I quickly make sure that I'm providing accurate information to those consumers? And then the second challenge is um, how do I meet them where they want us to be? Meaning, not everybody's going to go to a website. Not everybody wants to call into a phone. Everybody wants to engage differently. And how do I enable all those different channels with this kind of a capability? Because we're hearing um, huge wait times. I heard just, just this morning, I saw a note from someone that said that 70% uh, of the calls to one, uh, one government agency were busy because they couldn't get through on the phone line. Yeah. So how do we help that not happening? Because that's just going to either frustrate, anger, or make people more fearful. And that's not good for anybody. Yeah. And you know, Toby, let me just tell you about this. Not only is it that, but I have a couple of folks that have been trying to send in, we've been trying to send in the final unemployment documents for people, right? So they can file for unemployment via fax. And we can't get the faxes in. <laughs> And there's no other way. And the deadline is like today. And yeah. I, we don't know what to do. It's like, do is there a mailing place? Uh, and, and I think these institutions are learning something about how to catch up with the rest of us in being responsive. But you nailed it. If people cannot get 
the virtual agent assistance they need, information they need, it doesn't help with their anxiety level, does it? Not at all. Not at all. And as a matter of fact, it increases it. And so um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head that mm-hmm. one of the things that we're given the opportunity to do is to bring some more innovation to maybe some organizations that are a little bit behind or hadn't invested in that. Yeah. And that, that's good, but they got a lot of work to do and, and we're, we're, we're hoping to help them. How do people find out more about Watson? And then I want to ask you, I know I've got about four minutes left. How do they find out more about Watson and give us the rundown about what Watson could do? Sure. So they, they find more about Watson to go to www.ibm.com forward slash cloud forward slash Watson dash assistant. And if you go there, you can learn about both Watson assistant, but also what we're doing with Watson assistant for citizens. And, you know, when you talk about Watson, Watson's been around for a long period of time. We've been working with organizations. So they are working with organizations like uh, Geico uh, for automobile insurance, uh, Humana for health insurance. Um, but we're now working with some of these institutions uh, like the city of Austin, uh, like Arkansas, University of Arkansas Medical Services, Children Healthcare of Atlanta. So we work with a number of organizations and we're applying AI and natural language processing to alleviate this demand, alleviate this uh, challenge. Because as we said in the beginning, 70, 80% of these requests are informational. Oh, Why yeah. can't we do that really simply and use our valuable humans for the complex critical, urgent requests and let them get their information elsewhere. Yeah. I got to tell you, if we had more time, we could spend an hour on (laughs) the demographics of people that have been completely left out. I work in the recovery community and I've been trying to work with someone that is, uh, let's just say, a hearing impaired, uh, try to fill out the paperwork. And believe me, my sign language is not very good. Uh, But I hope and I support you in what you're doing. Again, give out the website and and what's your personal message, Toby? What do you want to leave us with today? Sure. So the website is www.ibm.com forward slash cloud forward slash Watson dash assistant. And my personal message for everyone today is look, look to innovate. Don't be afraid of change. And I think we'll be able to do things better for our citizens in general. Couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, Thank you for doing these interviews. Everyone, we're going to take a a short break. Please check out Watson. We'll be right back. Inspire. Create. Empower. Only on TransformationTalkRadio.com. The knowledge book currently studied in 39 countries and 15 languages around the world accelerates our evolution, takes us out of depression, offers universal truth, protects us, and makes us stronger, both spiritually and physically. So if you are interested in the knowledge book, visit usa.thenowledgebook.net and tune in to the Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen while you work. Streaming live on any device. Tune in to the Transformation Radio Network. Visit transformationradio.fm. Living a richly abundant life sound too good to be true? 
Listen in to Richly Abundant Women with Julie Steelman on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Embrace a vibrant future of breaking free financially and creating a richly abundant life filled with prosperity and growth. To learn more about Julie Steelman and Richly Abundant Women, visit www.juliesteelman.com. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. And you know why it's good news? Because people like Jeff Kerr are out in the world and what they're doing is they're educating all of us and, and inviting us to take action. Why? Because this is about how PETA can shed light on criminal histories of wildlife exhibitors. And what does that mean? Well, you're going to hear from Jeff on why we are talking about something that may seem a little bit surreal. But if you're like most of us, you know about the number one Netflix docuseries, Tiger King. But you may not know what that's about. You may not know why it's number one, but for sure, you've heard us talk to PETA time and time again about animal, animal issues. We were engaged in saving, you know, wild horses in the United States. So today's show or an interview is to talk about what the issues are that we're facing uh, and what didn't we talk about. Jeff, it's great to have you. Thank you, Dr. Pat. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So I want to start out with a kind of interesting question. Why do you think this? Uh, why do you think this series popped up in number one in such a short period of time? Well, it is certainly the cast of characters, mm-hmm. but un- unfortunately, and certainly it wasn't the documentary series that PETA would have right. would have made. But it, it, but it has started a, an important dialogue mm-hmm. about the cruelty yeah. inherent in the roadside zoo and cub petting industries. And mm-hmm. what's most important for viewers of the series to understand is that Joe Exotic and Jeff Lowe and Tim Stark and Doc Antle, these people are animal abusers. Users, and we've got to all work towards shutting them down. And I would encourage people to go to PETA.org, where we've posted blogs on the histories of the abusers that are featured in Tiger King. And we also explain the host of welfare issues of how captive big cats suffer that the series glossed over. Um, and of course, PETA's legal team uh, is hard at work to end the cruel big cat cub petting industry nationwide, uh, mainly through a series of federal lawsuits under the Endangered Species Act. And I'm I'm happy to report that we have just won one of those federal lawsuits to establish that prematurely separating tiger cubs from their mothers and using them in the public encounters like you saw in that series yeah. is a violation of federal law. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's, uh, I don't know if everybody discovered this for themselves, but I, for those of us that have really been in the advocacy role for so long, I didn't find that easy to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that, that and that's good. I think I think a lot of people are recognizing that too. They found it incredibly difficult to watch. Uh, you know, when 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 they are pulling baby tiger cubs yep. away from their mothers, literally as they're be- giving birth, 
Uh, it is just so inherently cruel and illegal uh, under the Endangered Species yeah. Act. Um, and, and uh, of, of course, what they don't show you behind the scenes, especially at a place like the GW Zoo, are the rows of 10-foot by 10-foot cages with two, cat, two big cats per cage um, pacing back and forth in what are essentially these jail cells for them because of the psychological trauma that they're suffering from being in such, kind, in such confinement. Um, and so the most important thing for people uh, to take from it is never go to one of these roadside yeah. zoos. Yeah. It is ju it's just about cruelty and profit for the roadside zoos. It's not about caring for the animals in any way. Yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit about this because, you know, you just pointed out what I what, – look, there's so much – that I know we discovered along the way in a 16-year period of doing this show uh, that we've sort of done an expose on. But I want to hear from you because I felt that there were many, many, many things that really didn't get uncovered in the series. And, and I think people may walk away thinking, oh, maybe, maybe bad, maybe not bad, but they didn't even it's not even the tip of the iceberg of what's going on here. Sure. Um, let me just start with Tim Stark, who you saw in, in, in the series. Mm -hmm. um, he, he was convicted in 2008 uh, of violating the Endangered Species Act by engaging in illegal trafficking of, of an animal. Um, this is a person who has encouraged patrons to hit baby tiger cubs. He has swung and tossed monkeys by their tails and hips during public encounters. And he even bragged, he's even bragged about bludgeoning a leopard to death with a baseball bat. Yeah. These are, these, this, these are criminals. These, these, these are not uh, people who care about animals. And in, uh, and just recently um, on March 24th, uh, sorry, uh, March, uh, sorry, April 10th. Yeah. I apologize. On April 10th, uh, he lost an appeal in which his federal exhibitor license was permanently revoked. Uh, and he's been ordered to, he and his company have been ordered to pay $340,000 in civil penalties mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, in a lawsuit uh, by the USDA alleging more than 120 violations of the Federal Animal Welfare Act. So his days are numbered. And we are also suing him under the Endangered Species Act, and we've been able to get a first-of-its-kind preliminary injunction against him in that case that applies throughout the case, preventing him from tearing baby tiger cubs away from their mothers and putting them in these public encounters, and to stop declawing mm -hmm. these big cats. This is something he was doing to try to make it easier to handle them and let's be clear, declawing is not just like trimming your cat's nails. Right. This is an amputation. This is cutting off their toes at the first knuckle, and it, and it is painful, and it leads to a lifetime of pain and suffering uh, for these tigers who, who've had their, their, their toes cut off in, the, in that manner. So uh, that, that's, that's one person. Doc Antle, who's also featured, has a long and dirty history of citations for more than 75 federal animal welfare violations, including 
failing to provide animals with appropriate veterinary care, sufficient space, protection from the, in, from the elements, and environmental enrichment, and allowing dangerous animals to interact directly with the public, as you saw in, in the series. So um, all of these people um, have, the, have these backgrounds. Mario Tabro, who was featured, um, uh, in the 1980s, his exotic animal business served as a front for his drug smuggling enterprise, uh, for which he was sentenced to 100 years in prison and convicted of racketeering and narcotics violations. Um, uh, and even among people in the roadside zoo industry who weren't featured in Tiger King, uh, the, the list keeps, keeps on going. Uh, we had um, uh, a successful Endangered Species Act lawsuit against the facility in Florida called Dade City's Wild Things, and Randy Stearns, who helped operate that facility, is now a registered sex offender mm. after he pled guilty to two counts of sexual misconduct for exposing himself to two minors. Um, in another case we had under the Endangered Species Act, we sued the Mobile Zoo in Alabama, and we were able to rescue a chimpanzee kept in solitary confinement named Joe. Unfortunately, we got him out, and he is now thriving at a reputable sanctuary. But the owner of that facility was later convicted of 14 counts of cruelty to animals, and we were able to rescue those animals as well. So it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. I, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Jeff, and I just want to keep telling people to go to PETA.org. That's P-E-T-A.org. Um, and I, I, I went and took a visit again this morning, and there's a couple things that— First of all, we're, we're talking about how you all are shedding light on these criminal histories. Um, many of our listeners are also tapped in to what the effect is in the animal community given COVID-19. And I know you all are covering some of that, but clearly people are concerned across the board about the treatment of wildlife. And it seems like we were making progress, but I got to tell you, with that docuseries and almost glorifying those folks, it's really, to me, quite disturbing. How do you view the docuseries? And, you know, what can people do? Well, thank you for asking that question. It, 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 is, it is a problem. and. Mm -hmm. Certainly, the cruelty, the cruelty that Joe Exotic inflicted on animals is no joke. And no. there's nothing about, nothing at all about the exploitation of the animals by anybody in that series that should be glamorized. Um, keep in mind that during his tenure at the GW Zoo, Joe Exotic was cited for over 200 federal animal welfare violations. And he was sentenced to 22 years in federal prison in part for illegally trafficking endangered animals and killing five tigers in cold blood. So any glorification of this or any other animal abuser is horribly misguided. And the most important thing that people can do is never go to a roadside zoo. Don't go. Um, and also, there is now pending, while everybody's uh, under stay-at-home orders, yeah. take the opportunity to write to your federal legislators to support a bill that's going through Congress right now called the Big Cat Public Safety Act. I'll say it again, Big Cat Public Safety Act. 
this would prohibit private ownership of big cats, and it would prohibit direct contact with them. Uh, and so what you see in the Tiger King docuseries would be gone, and it would put an end to the cub petting industry for good. Yeah. You know, I, I want to thank you for all that you have been doing for so long, just so long, and making sure we're protecting wildlife and protecting them in a way that they cannot protect themselves. See, we forget that. You know what I mean? We forget that, you know, we put, you know, these animals in situations where they cannot help themselves. They cannot get their ways out of it. And without your advocacy and the people that support PETA, none of this would be a reality at all. So thank you for that. I want to ask you, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? The personal message, well, first, thank you, Dr. Pat, for those very kind words. Um, the, the, my personal message for people is never be silent. Uh, whenever you see anything wrong with somebody's treatment of an animal, even if you just think there's something wrong, never be silent. Speak up. Uh, go to PETA.org. We have uh, an, an information site where you can send us information uh, about uh, problems with animals. We have a 24-7, we have the only national 24-7 animal cruelty hotline. Anybody can call from around the country. You will get an answer no matter when you call uh, and, and report it. That's the most important thing. The only way to stop animal abuse is to, is to, is to sing out, shout out when you see it, uh, and that's the only way it's going to stop. Wow. I want to thank you so much. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for having us, Pat. It's very important that shows like this um, tell the animal's plight, and it's part, of, it's part of the solution. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. Please go ahead and go over to PETA.org. But when you get there, make sure you follow them on social media because the website is filled with information. But you will stay up to date on so many things uh, through their social media platforms as well. And don't forget to support them. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. TransformationTalkRadio.com Some people dream of freedom before they know it even once. What happens when we find ourselves in unimaginable freedom? Retired, children are grown, We've moved on from caregiving and don't know what to do with all that time you never had before. Well, it's your life. It's up to you now. On the hit new show, Fresh Courage, it's your time to shine with host Sharon Rolfe on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Take us with you on that morning commute. Download your favorite podcast from the Transformation Radio Network. Just visit TransformationRadio.fm. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
everybody, welcome. I gotta tell you, I just wanna break out in that song. Does everybody know that song, Oh Happy Day? I just wanna break out in that song right now because I was talking to several of my relatives and the issue that came up is the issue we are about to talk about now. You know, while we are so involved with the unprecedented spread of the coronavirus, it has a ripple effect. And the ripple effect it has transfers down from the highest, highest point of concern into the intimate lives of families and children. And one of those places that it touches and has touched from a place of uncertainty is what Lori Benton, Senior Director, Counselor Engagement, the College Board, is here to talk with us about. Because if you can imagine as many are imagining. You have gone to school, you have studied your butt off, you have done all the things you need to do, you are getting ready for that next phase of your life. And then the question is, what just happened? Today, we're gonna talk about the College Board and what the College Board is doing to address the thousands of questions around this that families and uh, teens across the across the, the world are facing right now basically is look this is one of those things that mm -hmm. if you're in a family unit yes. you are lost around this up right. until now so right. this is something that you've been thinking about so here's my question you ready yes so if you are a family and you have been wondering, now what? What do I do? How do I help my child? Well, yeah. I got to tell you, I don't have the answer, but Lori does. Lori, this is something that you all have had to really jump right on and make some, I would say, drastic changes, correct? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what we know is that based on the environment and the circumstances, we know how schools, communities, and families are navigating, trying to navigate these challenges that um, were created by the coronavirus. And we just wanted to make sure that students had the opportunity to take AP exams and earn the college credit and placement. They've been working hard towards all year. We didn't want to take that away from them. A lot of students are experiencing a lot of loss at the end of this school year. And they told us they wanted to take AP exams. We surveyed 18,000 AP students nationwide and 91% of them indicated they wanted to complete this important step yeah. as a way to have some level of control uh, in these upended times. So we know that AP prepares students for success in college and beyond by helping them develop those skills that we know are important um, throughout college. And families know and students know that getting AP credit can help them save both time and money for college. And so that's a win-win for everybody. And I want to tell everybody what this is. For, for those of you that don't know what AP is, Let's talk about that for a minute because okay. I, I don't know that folks understand the importance and who these students are that get engaged right. in this advanced placement testing and give okay. folks an idea of what this is. Because I got to tell you, if you're somebody like me who really struggled a lot and had an opportunity for something like this, right, mm -hmm. this would be something that is a game changer if people can't finish it. Right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So advanced placement is um, college level courses taught 
within the high school. So students have the opportunity to engage in higher level curriculum that speaks to their interests, um, speaks to their aspirations. So everything from AP English literature to AP English language, there's AP chemistry courses, just to run the gamut. And usually students who are participating in these classes are participating based on their interest. It is something that they want to learn more about, delve more deeply. Um, there are teachers who are wholly engaged and supportive of um, those students and taking them to a higher level of knowledge and understanding about certain topics. So this is an opportunity that we know is important for all students. Um, all students can and should be challenged throughout high school so that they can develop, can develop those skills that are critical for college and the world of work. So this is important. And, and what, we, what the testing does is at the end of these courses, students have an opportunity to take advanced placement exams in the spring, in May. And as a result of those exams, students have the opportunity to earn college credit and or placement at colleges across the country. And so we wanted to make sure that we were able to continue that opportunity for students despite the pandemic um, and make sure that they were able to, to connect with what you said, this game-changing opportunity. So, yes, that's what AP means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I have to tell you, and this is what people may or may not know about, right? You know, schools mm -hmm. are closed, right? Yes. And while some schools are open and they're doing certain things online, I think the hardest right. thing when I talk to these young folks is the lack of information that's available to them. So you coming out here and doing these interviews is so very, very important. It really is. It's important. It's, it's important and it's an honor to be able to do it. I am an educator at heart, came from an educator family. Yeah, so too. I understand what it means to connect people with information quickly at their fingertips without additional stress and strain. So thank you for having me on this um, this uh, conversation. Well, uh, before we go into a couple other questions, I want you to please mention the website that people can go to and get more information. Absolutely. So cb.org backslash coronavirus AP students. Again, cb.org backslash coronavirus AP students. That is a one-stop shopping uh, uh, webpage for students and families to get updates about the exams, information about uh, exam policies, support information and resources that are important for them to have access to, to be best prepared for the exams. And we have lots of online resources to be able to share today as well. You know, what I'm finding actually interesting, and we're trying to get enough people to come to the forefront so we can do a show on this, a full yeah. hour. And one of the things we're finding with these young folks is they're highly innovative. So let me address one point about the AP and what, what I know some kids are doing. I don't like to call them kids, but I can't help it. I'm from New York. Um, so what they're doing, and, and maybe you can comment on this. Now that they are in sheltering in place, they have found interesting ways. And I got to give a shout out to Zoom because Zoom has really stepped up and made this possible for these kids. They are mm -hmm. practicing language. Now, people mm -hmm. say, well, what does that got to do with anything? But isn't language one of those areas that involves AP? Absolutely. A AP, Spanish language, we, there, are, there are 36 different courses that are available 
um, that students can participate in, and, and we have languages that are available as well. So you're absolutely right. Technology has been um, such a, a great opportunity for students to remain connected. And what we've done is to, to um, leverage that as well and created free online review sessions that are also available on YouTube. So they're available whenever students want. Um, these students, these classes are taught by uh, experienced AP teachers from around the country, and they are actual uh, instructional lessons uh, that are designed to be used alongside the work that may be given by schools. Uh, many teachers on their own are creating uh, opportunities to engage as well. So the online review sessions are available. We have an online tool called AP Classroom where teachers can continue the remote instruction and help their students prepare for exams. And we've also added a new optional student practice section so that students can use this to practice the concepts and skills that will be tested because this year's exam will only include the topics and skills most AP teachers and students have already covered in class by early March. So there, you're right, the, the students are finding ways um, and, and maximizing this, uh, the technology to make sure they're successful and we want to meet them where they are. So we've created um, these very helpful, insightful, engaging and entertaining uh, resources for them to continue that learning process. You know, it's really fascinating how absolutely amazing the teachers and the students are. I mean, you know, I, I was going to have one of the local uh, folks here, one of the local families here come on my show to talk about it, but they're very modest. They're very shy. They don't want yeah. the attention. And this one, this one uh, student in particular uh, speaks fluent Spanish fluent mm -hmm. Spanish. I mean, you know, and, and mm -hmm. is teaching other teens in a way that only teens can teach teens. And right. I thought, right. Peer. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. But language yes. isn't but the only course, is it? No, it's not. There are uh, courses in all areas, English, math, science, social studies, uh, and the languages, as well as computer science principles. Uh, there are lots of different opportunities for students to connect with um, an area or a topic that is meaningful to them, or to learn about something that's new and, and different so that they can get those skills that are important. Because we know for this year, particularly, we want to make sure that students understand what um, AP exams at home mean. So for the May 2020 AP exam administration only, students will take 45 minute online exams at home. Uh, the exams will be given from May 11th to May 22nd. And each exam will be taken on the same day at the same time. And it's important for students to know that there will be makeup test dates also available in June. And students will be receiving and have received direct communication by email, we're on social media, just trying to make sure that the information gets out and there will be an exam guidelines booklet that's going to be sent, uh, that's gonna be made available to students electronically, of course, so that they know what to do and what to expect. Because one part, major part of this um, uh, approach this year is that students can take these exams on, on any device that they have access to, yes. whether it's a computer, a tablet, or a smartphone. Yep. They can also take a photo of their handwritten work and submit it. So if students are worried about getting online for testing, though, they can let us know uh, with a form that we have on our website. And that website is cb.org 
backslash coronavirus AP student. Again, cb.org backslash coronavirus AP student. So those students who need assistance with digital access, we ask for them to uh, fill out that form, but they can also access additional information. All students can access additional information about this year's exam using that website. So lots of good updates, lots of good resources and connections so that everybody understands and is prepared for the exam um, in the upcoming two weeks. Well, look, you all are doing an immense service and let's not forget what happens in the end. This, this information, these folks that are taking these texts, this is so they can get credit. This is about continuing education. This is about Correct. them getting engaged and, and it's about their future. And let's not forget that. I know you don't forget that. No, I don't, but I know that people around the country are just making sure they can do everything they can to support these students um, as they continue on their path to college and beyond. I love it. Please give out that website. Last question, what's your personal message? The website is cb.org backslash coronavirus AP student. And my personal message is for everyone to keep supporting each other, keep supporting our students, understanding that we're going to get through this together. And we're here at the College Board to su support and assist the work that's happening behind the scenes, online, day and night, uh, so that students get to the places they need to be in their lives. I love it. Thank you so very much. Thank you, thank you. Yep, and thank you. you're gonna keep doing thank what you. you're doing, right? Absolutely, I, absolutely. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for joining me here today, okay? Thank you. You have a great day. All right. I, we got to rock on with this, folks. These kids are really worrying about their future. Thanks to Lori. Thanks to the folks, the folks at College Board. Innovation is their number one thing, and the future of our students is right there with it.